Okay, let's try this again. All right, here we go. Now let's see if this thing works. There we are. Thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 5. Go ahead and stand with me, if you will, for the honoring of the Lord's word. I mean, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Slowing down a little bit this week. All right, here we go. Many signs and wonders were, be- were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow or overshadowed might fall on them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Lord Jesus, give us wisdom this morning and insight, Lord, into your word. We want to come together, Lord, around your word, because it is the sword of the spirit. It is life and light to us, God. Lord, but we need your spirit. We need your spirit to help us to interpret these things. God, to hear your heart for us today and how to follow you. And Lord, how to, uh, Lord, how to accomplish the mission that you desire for us, to accomplish the work that you have given us to do. So God, this morning, I pray your spirit would speak through me and that God, we would be edified and built up this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the sermon here this morning is the same spirit, same power. Now, I don't want to get too, too bogged down in, in an introduction this morning, but I wanted us because I want to jump right in because basically the main point here this morning is that we have the same spirit that they had. It's the same exact spirit. Therefore, we have the same power. And so what the early church did, this is going to be in your notes there too, what the early church did and who they were is still what God expects us to do and, and what defines us still today as the church. Everything that we just read is for you. Everything that they did is for us. We are not second-class Christians compared to the early church. It's not like there's a higher class of Christian, like, ooh, they were so... Eh. We are the same beloved as they were still today. The mission and strategy of God in the church have not changed. It's about preaching the, preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. The only thing that has changed are maybe some tactics, how we go about it. They didn't have Facebook. We've got Facebook. That sometimes works. <laughs> right? Many, so make sure that you let me know if that, if that crashes again. <laughs> if you see my apps, let me know. Yes, sir. <laughs> So it says many miraculous signs and wonders came amongst the people through the hands of the apostles. They were bringing the sick and possessed. They all were being healed, all of them, every single one that came. And it's interesting in the context of the scripture passage, because it's not just talking about, you know, that they would lay them down on the streets so that his shadow would go over them. This is the same word that it describes Mary when the Holy Spirit 
overshadowed her. It's the same Spirit that overshadowed Mary. It's the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter that would overshadow people as he walked into the temple. They would lay out, lay out the, cot, the, the cots and stuff like that. Not because, you know, like some sun, like he was blocking the sun as he walked by. So that his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit would overshadow them and heal them. That same Spirit is in you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Matthew 10, this is Jesus' mission to the disciples. He says, As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you received, because you received the Holy Spirit free, free of charge. So freely give. Pour out that same Holy Spirit that has no end. The joys overflowing that have no bottom. Overflowing. Let's look at our passage here a little bit more in depth here this morning. So what does it say? And the, the very last part of, uh, of our passage last time, it said, then great fear, this is Ananias and Sapphira, when things did not go well. Um, they, were, they lied to the Holy Spirit and, the, and the, he killed both of them. It said, then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. Great fear. Great fear gripped the whole church. And all who heard these things. As an awe and respect. But everything, everyone else heard about these things as well. But it's interesting because the reaction to that is verse 13. No one dared to join, or, or to, this word means to cling to or associate with them anymore. Why? Because they were probably scared spitless. They're like, oh, uh, this is real. Stuff's going down. Like, this is like real stuff. Like, people are dying because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Like we talked about last week, is because the church was saying, you know that, that building over there? Because they were in Solomon's Colonnade. You know that? I think it's, you can see it in your picture. Through the Colonnade is the temple. Over there is supposed to be where the presence of God is, the Shekinah dwelling presence of God on the earth. But the church is saying, no, that has shifted from there to hear. And what happened when people disregarded the temple building or the tabernacle in the wilderness or disregarded the Ark of the Covenant? They put it on a cart and it started to wobble. A guy put his hand up and boom, died. This is not new. Ananias and Sapphira being struck dead. This is not a new thing. This is them saying, oh, this is the new temple. That's the church is saying this. Oh, this is... We are the new temple. Because like I said, the the Holy Spirit, the the, the Shekinah dwelling presence of Yahweh left the first temple in the 5th century BC and never returned. It wasn't even there when Jesus was there until he walked in. They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't have any of the stuff inside the Holy of Holies. It was just an empty, empty shell of a building until Jesus walked through the East Gate. And brought the Shekinah glory of Yahweh back to the people of God. And now that has been poured out. 
And we as the church are now that entity. We are now that temple. We are the Shekinah glory of God on this earth. Like I said, Matthew 15, when it talks about, uh, or it's Matthew 24 or, 20, or, 15, uh, 20, or 24 or 25. Um, wow, I just lost my train of thought. Man, yeah. And this is people dying, weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> um, nope, I got nothing. I mean, going on. <laughs> it was something about Matthew 24 or 25. I can't remember what exactly it was. But, yeah, never. But, so fear, so the, you know, fear, you know, because they heard about the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, right? Annie and, and Safi. And then they, you know, fear of the religious rulers because they had just arrested Peter and James or Peter and John, I'm sorry. Um, and so there was this pressure, political pressure, religious pressure on the apostles, on the church itself. You can almost see like they're, you know, like I said, no one dared join them. They were like watching from afar. You can almost even hear and see like the, you know, the, the, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the chief priests over there plotting and planning watching them, getting super jelly, super jealous, or as the cool kids say, totes jelly. Because they were so jealous that everyone was flocking to them because they had the words to eternal life. But here's the thing. This is a transition for the church. This is a transition of just like Jesus went through. He had the the thousands of people following him. He said, what? Eat me. And thousands left him. So eat my blood, or eat my flesh and drink my blood. They're like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. I just wanted more bread. I didn't want that bread. I don't want flesh. And so they all, the thousands of people left. This is the, the rubber meets the road. There's no more room for nominal Christians in the church at this point. Faith means something when it is costly. That's why I've been speaking this for, gosh, about, what, Amberlynn, about six years or so. It was a prophecy that, I, that the Lord gave me when we were living in Cambridge. And he said that, that over half of the churches in America would close their doors, most of which never to reopen. And I was, I kept trying to say, well, yeah, within the five, next five to ten, you know, ten, ten years, God was like, no, the next five. I'm like, no, 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 the next five to ten, God was like, no, five. I'm like, fine. The next five years, over half the churches in America are going to close. And it befuddled me when I heard the words, and most of which never to re- reopen. I was like, I don't know what that meant. And now I know. COVID. Most of the churches in our country closed their doors, at least for a season we did. Shame, you know, to my shame, for a few weeks. And that summer I told you I, would, I vowed never, ever to close our doors again, no matter what, no matter if there are bodies strewn across the streets. You know, we're going to be like the church back in the Black Plague when we're going into these places where people are dying and die with them. Pray for them and, and comfort them as they're dying, as we're dying. Because that is who we are as believers. Faith means something when it's costly. So that's what we saw over the last couple, over the last, you know, what, two, almost three years? 
we've seen a, 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 a kind of, in a sense, kind of a filtration of the church. We saw people who were nominal and who faith didn't really mean much walk away and stay away. I mean, we are in the same boat. Like we had to make that that come to Jesus, have the come to Jesus moment. We're like, okay, do I just keep watching church online? Am I is am I a, am I a satellite campus on my couch? But there's this there's a there's a whole gamut of things, especially in our church. My my dad used to use this illustration uh, for where people are at in the church, and a lot of times, so it's a, you know, the the core. Like these are this is the people who come all the time. They're members of the church. They're plugging in. They're serving. Uh, they're here every single Sunday. They're at every event that we got. Like those are the core people. Those are the core disciples. Then you've got the committed, the ones who come, who come and attend on a Sunday morning. They come maybe into an act group. They they plug in and they're committed to the church. And then you've got the curious, the ones who are kind of hanging out, hanging around. And like I said, there's nothing wrong to any 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 step on this. There's nothing wrong with any any of them. So there's the curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this church out. I'm gonna check check out the people of God. And then you've got the crowd, the people who are just hanging around, like the crowd back in Jesus' day, like the crowds at Pentecost who heard these things and saw the guy get healed and you were know, entertained, you know, listening to the sermons of, of Peter and the, and, the, and the apostles. And then you've got just the community around, the people who maybe just never darken our doors, the people who are in the temple that, ne- that maybe saw them from afar but never, never once went over there and listened or wanted to check it out. But there's no more room for this thing. We, we, I think we kind of cut it off around here, right. around committed in this moment. This is a transition for the church. Why? Because great fear encapsulated them. And it meant something. It was costly to them. Because sooner, you know, here in the next few weeks, we're going to start to see this great persecution. We're going to start to see first the death of Stephen, then we're going to see the death of James and then the, the, the oppression and, and the persecution on the church that scatters them throughout the entire empire and where the center of the church moves to Antioch. But we'll get there in a few weeks or months, whatever. Just kidding. But here's the thing. I heard, I heard a chapel service. This guy quote, kind of quote this a while back when I was in seminary. And it stuck with me ever since. We don't need a purpose-driven church. We need a persecution-driven church. There's a there, there's a guy, a theologian named John Crowder. I'll quote, quote him later on tonight, oh, this morning too. But he said, "God is looking for a spirit-driven, intimacy-driven, glory-driven church that is compelled by love. God is the one driving the church, and we are being chauffeured by grace. God is not looking for moral people who do good works." on his assembly line. He does not need workers. He wants bridal lovers. There's no other purpose than his glory. If there is work to be done, then the lovers will outwork the workers. I love that phrase. Because they do it out of a heart of love. But here's the thing. Like, like we see with the crowds, everyone loves a good idea. Everyone loves a good speech. Everyone loves a good TED Talk. Everyone loves a good TV show or movie or speech. But few will join to accomplish this great idea. 
even though no one joined them, they were still held in honor by everyone. Because why? Because of the things that were happening. There's no other way to look at this group and be like, oh, those people suck. Yeah, healing everyone and delivering people of demons. How dare they do good things in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus' name. They held them in honor because they couldn't refute them. They couldn't refute anything that they were happening because of, but also because of the grace-filled way that they responded to the criticism. The grace-filled way that they responded to the, to the religious rulers, the Sanhedrin. They were like, whoa, we're befuddled. Normally you'd be like yelling and screaming at us, but dang, you're also educated? Oh, that's right, because you've been with Jesus. Oh, you've been with Jesus. But the grace that they exuded because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So great fear was among, you know, had uh, gripped them. But they're all, they had what the different translations, you know, call it common consent, or they gathered together this concept of being of one mind. They were in Solomon's portico, which you can see the, the picture of there, an artist's depiction of that. They met in, they, they met in the temple, in the temple courts to participate in Jewish worship and prayer times. Now, this is probably still during the festival of Shavuot, during Pentecost, because it's a several-day festival. It's not just a one and done. It's several days, and so they're there for a while, and they probably just kind of stick around because they're like, this is amazing, we're going to stick around for a while. But, like I said, before what? They are dispersed. Not just by persecution, but they just go back home. Like we talked about, um, what's her face? Um, Priscilla and Aquila were probably at the Pentecost and then took the gospel back to Rome, planted the church before they were kicked out and met Paul in, in Corinth. So this is probably where they came to faith in Jesus. Either that or someone was there who brought the gospel back to Rome and they received Jesus in Rome because of the word of the testimony of someone who was listening and maybe, shoot, even someone who was healed by the Holy Spirit. Like they maybe had a bum leg. They're like, oh, I'm not looking forward to that trip back to Rome. And then they're like, whoa! I'm running back home. Running back, back to Rome. But they would participate in the Jewish worship and prayer times, you know, every, everything else, every single day. Of course, minus the sacrifice. They didn't need it anymore. They didn't need the sacrifice anymore. They were there at the prayer time to pray. They continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer, both in the temple, but also, as it says, house to house. They formed community. They formed relational opportunities for personal spiritual transformation. Sound familiar? It's in our vision book. So where we get it? But here's the thing. So we have this, we, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are coming together as the church. Now what's missing? God, God tells us what, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, in, in community, we hear prophecy over one another. I hear different prophetic words over myself or my wife, over, over us individually. But now what? What's our prayer to God? Yeah, now he's filled us with his Holy Spirit. Now what? Fill us with obedience. Fill us with obedience to fulfill your prophetic word. 
Fill us with obedience to do what you say. Fill us with obedience to what the Holy Spirit is showing us and telling us and instructing us and leading us and guiding us to do. Fill us with obedience. The same Spirit that was doing these things among the early church, like I said, is the same Holy Spirit that is given to each one of us. So if that's the same, if it was the same Spirit and the same power that was healing and speaking and preaching and that was flourishing in the early church, that's available to us today. So what is our prayer? Our prayer is do it again. It's the theme of, our, of, of Acts. Do it again. You did it back then. Do it again. You filled your apostles with your Holy Spirit and were healing people and doing signs and doing wonders and speaking prophetically. People were being healed of leprosy, blindness, being raised from the dead. Lord, do it again! That is our prayer. Lord, do it again through us. Speak powerfully through us. Love powerfully through us. Heal the sick, the blind, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, all in the name of Jesus Christ through us. Makes us ask the question, do we want a great awakening? Ask yourself that question. Write that down. Pray over that question. Do you want a great awakening in this valley? Do you want to see and experience and do the same things that they were doing back then, doing them today, doing them here in our gatherings, doing them out there in your daily walk? You see someone coming to the store with a bum leg and you go over there and pray over them, they're healed. Do we want to experience the fullness of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit like our brothers and sisters did? Do we want to see that baptismal filled week after week after week with people coming to faith in Jesus and we have to buy more of these chairs to fill up this room and we have to put the tables away because we can't fit them. Because people are coming to faith in Jesus or they're coming back to faith in Jesus. They're finding healing from church hurt. They're finding healing from abuse. Do we want to see revival? Yes! Do it again, Lord! Do it again! Right here! Right now! Yes, come on! I know you're white, but come on. Thank you. There you go. (laughs) Pour out your Holy Spirit on your church, Lord. All across the valley. And spill out into Livingston and the Paradise Valley. Whereas they prayed in, in the Scripture, grant to us your servants, Lord, to speak your message with courage, great courage, 
while you extend your hand to heal and bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So if we want God to fill us with obedience, we want Him to do it again. We want Him to work and to move in a great awakening to pour out His Holy Spirit on all flesh, then we have to make the best use of our time. Do not, do not, do not, I'm speaking to myself here too, do not take this time you have on this earth for granted. I was even talking to someone recently about even even a timeline that he believes through prophetic word and through studying scripture that we only have seven years. We have to the end of 2030 and Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm not going to stand on that or die on that hill, but if he does, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. But here's the thing, guys. These last days, however long they are, if, if, if Jesus comes back during our lifetime or not, the last days are not going to be easy, comfortable, or safe for God's saints. We need to be built up and encouraged in our faith today. As any opportunity you get and are given, use it as an opportunity to be built up and encouraged in your faith, in your love and your affection for the church and for Jesus Christ. Because why? Because we need, to, we need that encouragement and then that building up so that we can remember these things when times and culture get even tougher. Jesus said many things to, you know, to remember and be encouraged by. You know, he ascended, you know, but all these things, you know, after he ascended, because he knew after he ascended, there would be times of oppression and, dis- and discouragement. When even their own families and their friends and their own nation would turn against them, hate them, and intentionally work against them. Jesus said, God knew how many hairs were on your head as a way of you knowing that you're not alone. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. You're not just some pawn that He uses in this world. You're not just some thing that was made in creation that has no value to Him. You are value. You are valuable and valued to your Creator God. You are beloved. He said, You matter more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. So don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear. It's easy to believe, though. It's easy to believe these things when life is going well. <laughs> right? If you know, when it's easy or easier. But Jesus knew that there would be difficult times coming and that they would need words of hope to hold on to. We need those words of hope every day. There's a guy named Zach uh, Putin who said, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. 
when life gets tough, remember the light. Remember the truth. Remember the encouragement. Remember the words of hope. This is why Jesus sent the church the helper, the Holy Spirit. This is why He gave the church the power to heal and to cast out demons and to do all sorts of other things. It was to build encouragement in the church and a remembrance that God, that Yahweh is their God. That He is with them. He will never leave them nor forsake them. The same Jesus that walked with them physically in the body is now walking with them and through them in His Holy Spirit. Inside. To heal. Now let's talk about healing a little bit here. As many of you know, I was born and raised Southern Baptist. Our, our Holy Trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Unless the Holy Spirit needed to tell the deacons, you know, some instructions for the direction of the church. But, you know. But, our, 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 our Holy Trinity was Father, Son, Holy Bible growing up. Southern, Southern Baptist. But not not really. But it's you know in word basically only we we talked about the Holy Spirit, but we never really encountered or experienced the Holy Spirit. We never talked much about it. We never pre- I didn't hear many sermons about the Holy Spirit at all, or the joys of the filling of the Holy Spirit, or who the Holy Spirit was, and healing. And so this is kind of, this is where this this is coming from. So like healing, we we desire to heal. And God tells us to pray for healing and to have faith, pray in faith for healing. But God doesn't always heal. But He does heal. Like in my testimony, that God healed me instantly at a home church. They laid hands on me. I, could bear, I couldn't drive at night anymore, so they laid hands on me and instantly I could see. I was like gushing tears and it never came back. Instantly healed. And I, I know story after story after story after story after story of people who prayed for healing, people who got prayed over for, for healing, boom, healed. I love those stories. I love seeing it. I love being there when Jackson laid hands on a teenage boy right here at the hip-hop concert and healed his knee. God healed his knee through my, my son. I love hearing and seeing and experiencing those stories. But I also know the stories of the, the mom of two young babies who had a brain tumor and was prayed over, went to healing services, went to Pentecostal churches, went to normal, normal you know, day in and day out church services, was prayed over by the elders in the church, anointed with oil, everything they could spiritually, physically think of. And she still died. God does not always heal, but he does heal. It's not necessarily because of faith or not. Because we can get into this battle of like, oh, well, they didn't have enough faith. And then it becomes the person's fault that they died. And we put the shame and the, and the guilt upon the family even. Like, what kind of family are you that you didn't have enough faith for your wife and your mother? No wonder people are leaving the church left and right. Remember, the lame man had no faith. The lame man who Peter and John were walking into the temple, he just thought he was going to get some money. He had no faith. He was going to get healed. 
And they're like, what we have, we freely give you. Get up and walk. And the dude got up and walked. He's like, whoa! Was not expecting that. He had no faith at all for healing. And yet God healed him. Other people have great faith and weren't healed. Yet God instructs us to pray for it always. Whenever we, you know, whether he heals or not, we pray and remain faithful to him, whether we receive healing or not. Because here's the thing, guys. Jesus is worth more than our personal healing. There's a wonderful, beautiful story. I've told it before. I don't know if you remember it. This name, lady named Charlotte Elliott was you know, wonderful, you know, beautiful young lady, had, had a family. And one day in her early 30s, she was struck with chronic, severe pain. Bedridden. Wasn't you know, sitting in a wheelchair when she could. And a pastor came over and she just lashed out at him. But then the pastor ministered to her and, and, and loved on her and showed her the love of Jesus and prayed for healing, but she never received it. But what she did was she, she put her heart and her emotions, her pain, into writing poems and songs. And she penned the hymn, Just As I Am. And if, if you're familiar with Just As I Am, Billy Graham used it at all of his revivals and millions of people came to faith in Jesus because of the song that she wrote through her pain. God is painting a beautiful tapestry and sometimes he has to use dark colors. Health is not the ultimate goal. Love and glory to God is our ultimate desire. Pray for your desires. Pray to be healed. Right? There was, oh gosh, a few years ago, there was a lady that came and I felt that the Lord is telling me to, to, to pray over someone that was physically sick, physically had a physical ailment. Oop, sorry. And we prayed over her. We gathered the elders and anointed her with oil. And not to my knowledge, she wasn't healed, to my knowledge. She might have been later, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know. But God calls us to pray. Pray for your desires. Be honest with God and the church for those who you are, are, are praying over you. Be honest with your heart. But healing is not the ultimate show of God's goodness. His presence is. The presence of His Holy Spirit in our lives. And that often results in healing. That often results in prophetic word. That often results in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we pray, God, do it again. Pour out again. We want to see it again. Not because we need to have faith in you, but because we do have faith in you. We have faith that your same Spirit and your same power is at work in our lives today. I love this quote by Charles Martin sent to me this week. If it is true, you know, the disciples receiving power after Jesus ascended and how that's available to us, then the book of Acts should be a description of your walk with Jesus, a roadmap. All that stuff the disciples did, all those sick people healed, all those demons cast out, all those, all those dead raised to life, all those sinners and slaves brought into the kingdom of God, you and I should be doing that too. Because our faith, the kingdom of God, the church, our faith is not a spectator sport. 
because we have the same Spirit that empowered them. And the same power to empower us today for obedience. And when God is saying, go and pray, go and lay hands, go and do, we have faith to go and do because we trust that it's the same Spirit that was at work in the apostles and the early church. And God can do it again. God can do it again. Do you have faith in that? That God can do it again. So let that be our prayer. Let's pray that together. Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord Jesus. We know you can. We know you want to, God. Bring awakening to this valley like never before. Not a flash in the pan or even a revival for a couple of weeks, but Lord, an ongoing, not just in one location, but all across the valley that every church that is ready, that's willing to prepare the fields will be ripe for the collection of the harvest. God, that you would send people to each and fill each of the obedient churches, God. That you would fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. Empower us with your goodness. Empower us with your glory that we may experience you. That we may experience the ministry of Jesus Christ at work through our bold works of great courage and our hands to heal all who come and all where, all where we go. Lord, teach us to step out in faith to heal. Step out in faith to cast out demons. Step out in faith to raise the dead. Step out in faith, God, to walk with you in the cool of the morning and enjoy your presence. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again, Lord Jesus. Amen.